everyone, and welcome back. Today, we have a very special guest on the Thyroid Fixer podcast, my dear friend, Miss Sinclair Kennelly. And let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to dive in. I'll let her tell you a little more about her as well. So she is a toxicity specialist, detox expert on digestive disorders, and she is the CEO of Detox Rejuvenation and the host of the Detox to Thrive podcast. She's apprenticed with world-leading functional medicine pioneers and believes that toxins are the root cause of our health epidemics today. Both she and her partner, Michael Spandell, are survivors of complex chronic illnesses and had to learn how to heal themselves and have turned that pain into their mission, like many of us do, pain to purpose story. They now help thousands of people to free themselves from digestive issues and chronic illness to get back to who they truly are. So Sinclair, thank you so much for your time today for coming on. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. So pain to purpose story, right? So many, please dive into that a little bit more and tell people how you came to help others. Sure. I'm happy to. Actually, my story overlaps a little bit with yours. You you had Hashimoto's, right? Really struggled yep. with that. Yeah, so did I. And um like many of us ladies, <laughs> you know, there's layers of complex, you know, chronic illness involved and it takes a long time to really understand just how sick we've really gotten, right? We're taught in, you know, the U.S. especially and especially as women, like use that pain tolerance to your advantage, push through, you know, stamina is a good thing. And that was definitely my story. Like I started out really chemically sensitive as a kid, kind of digestion issues all the way along and um, didn't realize how sick I had gotten until... Basically, my mid-20s, I kept crashing and ended up in the hospital a couple of times. And um, I was much more aware of the depression than I was of how much body pain I was in because I have a really high pain tolerance. And everybody kept saying, you know, your labs look fine. This is all in your head. And so I started to believe them. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. If anybody else out there is getting told that right now, keep looking for the practitioners that are actually going to listen to you. You deserve that and take nothing less. Okay. Because there's something real to what you're experiencing. And so hopefully Dr. Amy and I are living proof of that for you. So yeah, I, um, turns out in the end, I had fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's, um, chronic, chronic Lyme, mold poisoning, heavy metal poisoning, um, you name it, basically the whole nest of today's epidemics of chronic illness. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's not fun. No. And 
Um, one of the reasons why we're diving in to talk about what, what we're covering today is because the practitioners that I went to were so illiterate about the thyroid and the liver and how they related to each other and you know work together and how they can also inhibit each other's functions when they're not doing well. Exactly. So how many doctors did you see, I have to ask? Oh, I lost count, um, especially because of the brain fog. You know? <laughs> Just very brain real. Fog is real. Thyroid um, brain is real. I think at one point I counted over 40, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, yep. you know, most of them were functional medicine specialists. They were not just your run of the mill, small town country docs. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, I've gone on rants fine. before on that. Yeah. 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 When we dive into the liver stuff, I'll tell you what, what was wrong with mine. And it's, it's a real eye opener. Okay. So. Liver connecting to thyroid. Many of my patients or followers, listeners on here, including my patients, really, they haven't dove into the liver and the thyroid. You know, we always think of thyroid and we think of insulin and then the hormones and reverse T3 and what drives that up. And, and, you know, you dabble a little bit with the toxins and the gut, but tell us that liver connection. Yeah. So it's really important to understand, um, are you most of your, I mean, by the numbers, most of your followers are probably hypothyroid, right? Not hyperthyroid. Right. Yeah. Most, uh, most are hypo. And if they are hyper, they're in that Graves disease state where they're going to swing back to Hashimoto's. Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. that autoimmune. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Very familiar with the roller coaster, right? Yep. You are not alone, ladies. Let's set the stage a little bit because yeah. when we think about um, toxins, we really need to understand what exactly our bodies are going through and the kind of stress we're up against and then how that affects the liver and the thyroid together. Um, So we are getting exposed to the amount of toxins, you know, a hundred years ago that a body would get exposed to, we get exposed to in one day now. It has ramped up so quickly. Yeah. It's over a million toxic particles per day. And when we think of toxins, I don't know about you, but in, you know, maybe... 15 years ago, I was thinking, yeah, toxins are bad, blah, blah. Who cares? They go in and then they come out, right? And it's over. No. (laughs) When we say toxins, we're talking about heavy metals, neurotoxins, mycoplastics, um, molds, and all the related species of um, mycotoxin-producing funguses, fungi. Mm -hmm. And we're also talking about EMFs, which you and I are going to delve into later together. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so fun. And um, so we're basically inundated all the time with these various types of toxins that our bodies did not evolve to process. And the thyroid is particularly sensitive to those, right? And Mm -hmm. the liver's job is is to be your body's whole body filter, essentially, for those. So both of these organs come under a lot of distress. And it's not just, um, you know, things that are in the environment by happenstance, you know, even by the EPA's own numbers in the U.S., we're importing over 250 pounds of chemicals per person per day. And that does not count herbicides, pesticides, pharmaceuticals, fuel. It's, that doesn't even count them. No. And you would think that would be like, oh, well, that's what it is, right? Well, well what is this crap? Right. And where is it going? And that doesn't count domestic chemical production either. I'm getting a little freaked out, I have to admit. (laughs) I'm getting a little freaked out at these numbers. I think everybody should because they're they're pretty powerful. Yeah, and um, it's also ramping up really quickly, like just in the last 10 years. So in 2008, there was an amazing study done of 1,200 subjects of both European and Americans. 
And both Europeans and Americans average about 10 toxins per cell, which is an enormous body burden, right? That's, that's a crazy ratio yeah. because yeah. our body is producing waste, you know, and quote unquote toxins from regular metabolic processes all the time that have to get processed. That's why we have natural detoxification systems because we got to get that waste out, you know, and then put all this, you know, unnatural stuff on top of it. Well, that study was repeated 10 years later and in 2018, 1200 subjects, again, European and Americans, we had jumped to 500 toxins per cell. So in the last 10 years, we have 50 X star internal toxic burden. Wow. Yeah. What are we doing? (laughs) Right. Right. So at the end of this podcast, you know, I really want you and I to spend a few minutes um, talking about what can we do at home to limit our exposure? And because there are so many things you can do to lower your, um, you want to limit the amount of toxins coming at you as much as you can. And you also want to speed up the excretion in a safe way. So it's easier on your body and your thyroid actually has a chance to thrive. Right. right? Yeah. We want yeah. it up and running and working beautifully. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cause the thyroid by nature is really delicate and sensitive, um, to, <laughs> You know, I think of it as this beautiful, delicate little butterfly. Butterfly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's the master gland, so we want it working optimally pretty much all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and it regulates every every cell in the body's metabolism. Every so, cell. Yeah, so we've got to be um, taking really good care of it. And unfortunately, it's a favorite depository site for things like mercury and toxic halogens and phthalates, like it just does not do well in this. And so it's kind of the canary in the coal mine for the rest of the body, right? It goes down while the rest of the body is struggling, but may not be showing external signs of it yet. May not be showing up on your labs yet, even for years to come, but you can tell something's wrong with the thyroid. So it can very easily start with just the toxic burden, the toxic load. So that would be more, well, I guess this could be hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's because even a toxic burden will turn on that autoimmune switch, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of autoimmune triggers start with gut health, right? Mm -hmm. And so even just take one toxin like glyphosate, that's the world's leading herbicide. It's the active ingredient Roundup from Monsanto. Lovely company really wishes us the best. (laughs) That's a whole nother podcast right there. (laughs) And we're getting exposed to this every day, even if you eat organic, it's in 75% of our air and water samples now. So um, you're getting microdosed with this um, amazing, lovely little herbicide that creates leaky gut on contact. And so then you get um, particles going into the bloodstream that never should be there in the first place. And your immune system starts going, oh, no, we got to really ramp up, you know, and go into this whole fight response that's really hard to downregulate once the ball starts rolling. And as you know, a lot of those particles, um, or at least some of them, it look like, for example, gluten, biomimickers such as, you know, coffee, unfortunately, <laughs> those look like, you know, thyroid tissue to the immune system. And so it's on high alert and it starts attacking things that are never intended to. And it's really trying to go after the toxins in the cell, but mm-hmm. it gets so overwhelmed that it, the decision making process basically gets screwed up, right? Because we don't want to go yeah, down to the yeah, they're just confused. You know, it, it, you got these little soldiers that go out and they're just confused. They beat yeah. up your thyroid because they think it's an enemy. And then you bring in gluten and you bring in toxins and they think, oh, you know, that looks like the thyroid. So we're going to go out and beat them up. And then we're going to go over and beat up the thyroid again. Just to be safe. Let's do it one more time. Yeah, exactly. Just just making sure that we we kill the enemy. OK, we have 
exposure taught, I mean, all over the place, you listed it from, I mean, heavy metal mold, the food that we eat, the pesticides, the, the skincare products, um, I mean, I, I can't even list them all plastics, everything. So yeah. we're exposed, comes into our body, liver is supposed to process it and the liver, right? So it's supposed to be processed through the liver, but then what happens to the liver where it goes, you know what? This just is too much. (laughs) So a couple of things are going on. So for anybody who wants a visual, I know you guys all know where your thyroid is. Your liver is on the right side um, between your rib cage and um, your stomach, like right, right up in there. Right. And it kind of wraps around to the side and it's a big boy. It's um, you know, your second largest organ in the body um, after your skin. So, and it's performing over 500 functions for us. It's really complex. It's helping to metabolize your food. So, you know, thyroid is regulating metabolism. So is liver, right? And it's also supposed to be this whole body filter, process and produce a bunch of hormones and help conversion of hormones like T4 to T3, right? So it's nice and active. Mm -hmm. And also break down hormones once they've been used and they're basically toxic waste and they got to go. So um, that's a lot to ask of one organ in this particularly toxic environment that's changing so quickly, it's very difficult for it to keep up. It is, thankfully, the most resilient organ in the body, but there's only so much it can do. Right. Right. The liver also produces bile, right? So it's producing bile, cholesterol, hormones, all these amazing, um, you know, additives to the blood, and um, bile is basically, if your, if your liver is your whole body's filter, your bile is basically your detergent, but it's oh, expensive. It's basically like liquid gold detergent. So your body doesn't want to throw it out with each laundry load. It wants to recycle it. In fact, 95% of bile salts get recycled and get held in your tiny little catcher, catcher's mitt, which is your gallbladder nestled right up under the liver. Right. And the more toxic your burden is, the more um, difficult it is for your your liver to prioritize creating fresh bile. Right. Mm -hmm. And also bile is supposed to capture toxins from the liver after, you know, you go through phase one of detoxification in the liver, which is like breaking apart toxins and waste into highly toxic little um microparticles and then phase two of the liver is putting them back together in a new um, molecular way so that um, they can safely be processed out through the kidneys or out through the bile. But right. But the stuff that gets dumped out through the bile is supposed to go down into the small intestine, get dumped there and go out through the bowels. But if you have things like neurotoxins, microplastics, these crappy phthalates, um, you know, heavy metals, those don't get released by the detergent, which is your bile, the way they're supposed to. They actually stick to that motor oil and they get pulled back into the gallbladder only to recirculate again. So your liver goes, well, crap, that didn't work. And now I don't really have the resources to deal with that because I got more toxins to deal with. I'm, I'm not going to think about that right now. And you go, it goes, okay, great. You know, I'll do um, something really easy. I'm just going to encase this in cholesterol right now. Because, you know, the liver is making the cholesterol. It's right there, super handy. And the liver and gallbladder both encase toxins in cholesterol um, so that uh, just kind of like, I'll just deal with this later. You know, it's, it's a, supposed to be a short-term storage process. But unfortunately, those calcify and condense over time into liver and gallstones. 
which further slows down the bile flow and your body's ability to detox through the liver. So you end up with these very, very congested organs that are supposed to have like, like your liver has 13% of your body's blood volume at any given time. I mean, it is moving and shaking in there. It's like, oh, you know. Yeah, it's supposed to have really, really high turnover. There's a lot going on. And so every little stone that you add or every little particle of toxins that cannot be excreted in the moment um, adds up really quickly and creates scar tissue in your biliary tree, which basically like veins for the liver. There's over 500 miles of bile ducts in there. It's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. And so you get these little um, stones clogging it up. Guess who gets excited about that? parasites oh okay wait 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 we can't go parasites yet i gotta ask you something (laughs) (laughs) wait 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 let's let's can you see my face i'm like so (laughs) i know you love parasites just wait (laughs) okay is this why though so many people have their gallbladders taken out because i see a lot of so many of my patients come in and on their intake sheet, you know, gallbladder removal. And I go, why? They go, I don't know. I was just told that I had to get it taken out. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's really fascinating because over 80% of women have um, toxic sluggish bile over 40. So this okay. is not a small um, issue, right? Okay. And um, that... It, if you have toxic sluggish bile, you guaranteed it's been strongly, strongly correlated with a, a sluggish underperforming thyroid. So then you have this axis of, hey, the thyroid's supposed to be regulating the metabolism of the entire body. And the your liver is supposed to be filtering all these toxins out so that it's free to convert your hormones, right, and process your waste for you safely. But if your bile is sluggish, um, neither one of those things are happening optimally. And so, yeah, the more sluggish the bile, the more likely it is that you have stones condensing over time in there. And they start out super soft. You do not pick them up on a scan until they are really, really dense and calcified. So we get people coming to us all the time like, I have a gallstone or I have six gallstones in this duct and I would like to get them out. And I'm like, oh, sweetie, you have so many more than that if that's what's showing up on your scan. But yes, that in, a, in a, the short version to your <laughs> answer fine. to your questions, yes. Yeah. Okay. And another question before we move on to parasites. I know everyone's going to be thinking, well, my liver enzymes weren't elevated. No one told me my liver had a problem. So do we necessarily see a toxic burden in like ALT, AST, alkaline phosphate? Do we see that? Actually, no, you don't. It's really common for you to not see that. The way that you will know if your liver needs help is if your thyroid is... um, your thyroid labs are showing a poor conversion from T4 to T3. Mm-hmm. That's Q number one. Even if, and this is so common, I'm sure you hear this all the time, they're both in range. So they said, I don't have a problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, but if you graph them out and you see a huge drop off from T4 to T3, it doesn't matter if they're both in range, you have distress showing. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, digestive issues. We blame Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism for constipation and slow metabolism, right? But your bile has to flow for um, you to not have constipation. It has to. It's part of what's because your gastric juices and your bile are basically BFFs. They want to flow together. They, your gastric juices want to break down the pathogens and the food coming in. And then your bile takes over from there and is like, 
I've got it from here, babe. I'm going to emulsify the fats. I'm going to flush all this through for you. And I'm going to dump toxins out and we'll come back. You know, we'll see each other again in the next meal. Right. (laughs) Right. But it can't happen if you have sluggish bile and a sluggish thyroid. You have so many reasons for constipation and for slow metabolism. And this is why we're seeing this like explosion of SIBO an explosion of thyroid disorders. It's like, oh, I have bloating. I have constipation or I have the diarrhea version of SIBO, which is really just the body's, it's the flip side of constipation. So if you're listening right. to this and you're thinking, well, I don't have constipation, I have diarrhea. Well, that this could still be affecting you because, yep. or intermittent both, you know, depends on what your body is dealing with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. And, and reverse, we talk about reverse C3 on here all the time. Normal versus optimal. I like to see reverse T3 below a 12. So this is one of the factors that if someone is having conversion issues, T4 to T3 conversion issues, and maybe the reverse T3 is elevated, maybe it's not. Maybe they're just not responding well. And and we're seeing this low free T3 number and optimal free T4. It's just not getting pushed over. So we have to look at the liver. That's right. Yeah, you do. And um, as resilient as the liver is, you know, the more sluggish that bile gets, the more you can count on it being a toxic sluggish environment in the liver and scarring happening in your biliary tree so that you actually have leaky bile into the bloodstream, which is causing more systemic distress. And then the toxins really go haywire. And then guess what happens? Your autoimmune triggers go into overdrive. Mm -hmm. That's where we see one. We see more than one. Right. Exactly. Yep. Right. That's why you get, you know, Hashimoto's at first. And then a couple years later, it's like, oh, well, that rash that I've always had that kind of comes and goes, oh, it turns out that's psoriasis. So now you have, you know, autoimmune number two, and then you get, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune number three, yep. you know, it just goes on from there. Yep. Exactly. So if you're working with thyroid dysfunction, you want to be really putting a microscope to what is going on in your digestive system because you have so much control over how to heal right there to back off stress from your thyroid little by little in a very gentle way, really at your body's own pace. I love it. Love it. This is, this is great, great information. Now I will release you into parasite mode. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Okay. So the issue with um, this axis of distress, we'll call it, or, you know, the cycle of distress is that the more sluggish the liver becomes, the more sluggish your digestion becomes. So all of your digestive fluids are slowing down and your immune system is really stressing at that point, right? Because of what yep, we talked yep. about already, the, you know, leaky gut, you have these autoimmune triggers and you have Um, your immune system being suppressed from things like the toxins in your liver. And, you know, mold is another one of those that we didn't touch on. You know, we can do that in another time um, because it's way too big a topic. But this opens the doorway for pathogens and parasites to um, set up shop that never would have been there in the first place. Right. Because your immune system is supposed to keep that stuff in check. We think of parasites as something like, oh, I went to Bali or like Mexico and I drank the wrong water or something. Actually, parasites are in every, you know, body of water in the U.S. And they're probably in every salad bar and they're definitely in every sushi restaurant. So (laughs) it's not hard to pick them up. It's really more of a question of, is your terrain a match for them to flourish? So if you are experiencing thyroid distress, 
you already know living in today's day and age in this decade that your fat that your liver is under a lot of stress too and it's the perfect place for them to set up shop in there and in your small intestine so parasites that love the liver are like strongyloides which is a threadworm and liver flukes which can have a 25 to 30 year lifespan Oh, yeah. Isn't that nice? And they are all different colors, shapes, and sizes. They look like angry little lentils, like little asshole sea creatures, like melted Jolly Ranchers. Um, They set up shop and they love to snack on your liver and on the cholesterol that's building around those little forming stones. So they want stagnation and your body wants flow. So if you're working on thyroid stuff and digestion stuff, you want to think in terms of flow constantly. How can I support my bowels to be moving? How can I heal my gut so that it's smoothly moving regularly? Um, Get my bile and my gastric juices flowing. How can I relieve pressure from my liver so that I'm not just mad at my thyroid and throwing stuff at it? Right. Right. But it's really doing the very best it can. And it's really is the canary in the coal mine revealing all of the stress underneath, right? Yep. Yeah. So um, you want to not just freak out and do a parasite cleanse for three weeks or something and feel like crap because that's not necessary and it's not helpful. You want to think in terms of instead, how can I um, slowly increase flow throughout all of my systems? Like we just recapped, right? Like you got to get your bowels moving every day, eat anti-inflammatory foods, you got to become an expert at what keeps your digestive system moving in a very gentle way while you do the deep work of healing the liver and the thyroid. So they're not separate from your food choices, right? Do you want to do everything? Both and. I always say both and. You can't just treat the thyroid and call it a day and ignore the rest of the body. Ignore the hormones, ignore insulin, ignore the gut, ignore what you're talking, the liver, you, you got to do everything together. So what about testing though? Cause I know a lot of people are sitting there going, well, how do I know if I have a parasite? And there's a functional doctor that basically says the way that he tests is if you have a pulse. Yeah. That's Jay yeah. Davidson says that it's okay. Great, yeah. He's like, hold two fingers up to your neck, check for a pulse. Okay. Do you have one? Okay. You have parasites. You have parasites. <laughs> right. So is that true? And how do we know? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I have found that to be true in our own clinical practice as well, especially if there's dysregulation, um, like in the thyroid, like in your digestive t- tract. You you need to understand that um, in today's day and age, in these modern times, for all the stats that we quoted at the beginning of the episode, um, all that toxicity opens the door to pathogens flourishing because that toxicity suppresses the immune system and overloads your detoxification natural pathways so that it creates this soupy swamp that's low in oxygen, high in toxins. And parasites and pathogens thrive in that environment, whereas our healthy um, gut microbes do not. They want a high oxygen environment. They want balance. They want flow. So it's this competition for space right? And one set of microbes thrives in this crappy soup and one does not. Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer other than that. And I don't want you to jump right into parasite work. I want you to think in terms of drainage and flow and anti-inflammatory living first. And then you can do deep liver clean out and, you know, deep parasite work. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I think so many people get hooked on the latest fad, you know, to promise to cleanse you of parasites. Just take this. In 10 days. Yeah, no. Yeah. 
this is a multi-month process. You want to think about real detox in terms of months, not days, right? Okay. So on the GI map, if you're using, let's say, I don't know if you use GI map for gut testing, but on there they have the, that little parasite and worm section. Yeah. I've only ever seen a couple patients come up positive for parasites. So it's not always going to show up on the GI map, right? Because it's not always in your stool. Right, exactly. Stool testing is notoriously um, incomplete for this because, um, for one thing, parasites are constantly morphing to their DNA to fit the environment. Right. And some of them, yes, are decades old and they're really good at being elusive and hiding from you. Like they're not just you can't just get a blood sample. They're not just hanging out in your blood ready to get measured. And they're not just hanging out in your colon ready to get caught on camera in a colonoscopy. Like they are extremely mobile and sensitive to their environment. I always use the example of like biofilm, which has a very it's a parasitic colony that has a very short lifestyle, like a rapid turnover. You can have up to 70 percent genetic diversity in one colony of biofilm that's just a few inches long. Say it's in one curve of your small intestine and one end of that curve is slightly higher in temperature. Well, then they will morph their DNA expression to thrive in that versus that slightly cooler environment or slightly more acidic. Okay, we're going to change to mate that. Parasites are really, really good at that. And we don't have the funding to accurately map the full parasitic genome. Like nobody's interested in that. Because there aren't, you know, drugs on the other side of it that are extremely profitable. There you go. To be really frank. Ding, you know? ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, it's not a um, long-term drug customer opportunity. Right. So you have a lot of academics that are fascinated by parasites but can't get funding for big studies to, you know, create the testing where we could actually accurately map them. Uh, yeah, it's all about the. It's all about if there was a a really big, expensive anti-parasitic out there, yeah, then it would be marketed everywhere. And you would all know- Especially you would be on it for 10 years, right? 10 years plus. Exactly. Because they want repeat customers. That's the sick care system for you, not the healthcare system. Exactly. Sick medicine, conventional medicine, sick medicine. So can we see parasites on any of our lab markers, like white blood cell count? What about the eosinophils? Can Can we see markers at all? Um, yeah, but really everybody listening here, if you the, the thing that I want you checking for is chemical sensitivities, um, how sensitive, t- like how inflammatory do you get around certain, certain stressors like environmental triggers and yeah. um, your di- digestive issues. Like, so if assessing this for yourself at home, like one of the top things that you, um, that people don't understand can be um, signs of having parasites is like teeth grinding bruxism, difficulty sleeping, um, feeling like your energy cycle is switched where you struggle, struggle, struggle all day long and you finally wake up at night. That's parasites. Hello. Um, Dairy sensitivity. That's a huge one. Sugar cravings, um, moodiness, anxiety, depression. You know, we, we, we're blaming hormones for a lot of stuff right now. And I love that we've gotten more hormone literate, like in the, in the Oprah age, on to today, you know, because she oh, was yeah. really so brave. All the time. Yep. Right. She was so brave to like bring people on and say like, yes, women's hormones matter. Let's talk about this. And I love it. We just had to expand the frame a little bit because hormones are often, you know, the health and balance of our hormones are often a downstream expression of our toxic burden and our body's ability to filter it and uh, the pathogenic load that we have. So it's just, it's one of those 
upstream factors that if we gave it a little bit more airtime um, and addressed it appropriately, we'd be putting less stress on our endocrine system. Okay. That makes sense. That makes total sense. A couple actionable, you said at the beginning, we'll, we'll come back to this. So what can people do to start to make changes to improve that flow? Yeah. So like we said earlier, the solution to pollution is dilution. So want to keep things flowing. So while you're supporting your thyroid, while you're working on your health, no matter what symptoms are presenting as most in your face right now, you want to be um, increasing reasons for your body to be able to flow and um, to reduce stagnation throughout your detox pathways. And that also includes, you know, your lymph, your skin, your lungs, your, ur- your urinary tract. It's not just your liver and your bowels, right? The easiest thing to do is reduce your own exposure. Like there's, yes, there's, you know, air pollution and, you know, you get into somebody's Uber and they have that toxic air freshener that gives you a headache for the rest of the day. You can't avoid certain things, but you can have a very gentle, respectful conversation with that driver and say, Hey, you know, this doesn't work for everybody. Can we put that in the trunk during my ride? I'm happy to tip you extra really appreciate it. You know, that's probably not good for you either, sweetie. Let me yeah. show you Dr. Amy's podcast. She talks about this. <laughs> Throw away the damn air freshener. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> and really focus on what you have control over. So the easiest, cheapest thing you can do is keep your own windows open because your home is off gassing for years. After a new purchase of furniture, you know, your carpets, your laminate flooring, Um, your mattress, your clothes, your paint. And so we just want to get as much outdoor air in as possible. I also think this is why we have this like houseplant obsessed culture because they do provide a little bit of filtration. You know, houseplants were not like a big thing 20 years ago. And now everybody's like, look how many I can cram into my little apartment, you know? Yeah. And there's a reason. While we're on that topic, you know, because plants are fun, spider plants are great for um, capturing VOCs, which are volatile organic compounds from um, things like paint and furniture and also mold. And um, snake plants are great for oxygen exchange. It's really hard to kill them. Trust me, I've tried. (laughs) Bromeliads, which are those really pretty ones with the central flower that you can get at Ikea for really cheap. Those do great oxygen exchange at night. So load up your bedroom with them. Open your air, open your windows at least an hour and a half every day because your indoor air can be anywhere between 40 and 400 times more toxic than the outdoor air. Uh, it's crazy. And wow. um, throw out those fresh, you know, those air fresheners, the Glade plugins. Those are trying to kill your thyroid. Please yeah, definitely. Please get rid of them. Yeah. I do need to buy some plants, but I'm proud to say I don't have any air fresheners around. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, um, you can use today, like maybe some of you are already obsessed with non-toxic living. And I really applaud you for that because I know it's like a full-time hobby sometimes to figure out how to avoid this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're not already on that track, you can choose today as the day that you decide, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to slowly ease up my body burden and be gentle to my body because I deserve it and and figure out how can I put my body through less every day. Usually it starts for women, honestly, with simplifying your personal care routine. I really miss hairspray. I am not going to lie. <laughs> I don't even use hairspray. See, I put that in my 20% of things that I'm not going to give up. <laughs> that and hair color, not giving it up. I'll do all oh. of these other things over here. Yeah. No, yeah. the hair color was the one that I kept. I will yeah. be coloring my hair till I'm dead. And... <laughs> But 
I can also teach you guys strategies for that too. You load up with binders beforehand, you filter with extra water, uh, all that. But really, it, I'm not kidding. Like for women, there's so many less toxic alternatives for personal care now on the market. It's really revolutionized in the last 10 years. Start with asking yourself, how can I remove steps that I'm not, I don't really need? Like, do I really need this toner? Do I really need this third hair texturizer? You know, can I knock my hair products down to one or two and then start experimenting just one thing at a time? You know, there's a lot of blogs just dedicated to this. There's also an app called Think Dirty. You can put it right on your phone. And while you're in a store, evaluate a product, which is awesome, right? There's a lot of resources out there. So it really starts with you making the decision. I'm going to be gentle to myself and start doing this homework. I I feel like the the beauty care products and self-care is like, it's, it, you're right. It's now more mainstream. So that's kind of like baseline knowledge. Now you're taking it to another level. And I say another level because I haven't, I didn't, I've never heard of the plant thing. I never heard to just open your window because I like it cold. So when it's hot out, I'm like, screw that. I'm not opening the windows. But now you're like, well, it might be a good idea just for an hour and a half. I'm like, oh, okay. I can do that. I'll do it when I'm gone. And then I'll come back and turn the air up, <laughs> turn it up, turn it lower and make it colder. But little simple things like that, that's that's a whole nother level now that people, I guarantee, are at home going, oh my God, it's so freaking simple. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like the next time you're going to buy a rug, say, I hope you have hardwood floors. You know, I want you sleeping in hardwood floor rooms. Ideally, those plastic carpets are not good for you. If you're dealing with endocrine issues, you already have a body burden that's too high. So start thinking in terms of those filters, like when you move or when you go to renovate or when you are considering, you know, a little your next, you know, sprucing up thing for your home. Think in terms of how can this be easy on my body and my family's bodies? You know, so it might be jute woven rugs because you're doing like a boho thing instead of like a plastic thing. And and honestly, this is where the green movement is totally fucking up because it's not considering um, what is actually non-toxic for the environment for our body. So you get like recycled plastic carpets like, look, we use some water bottles in a good way. It's like, yeah, now we're going to be breathing that for the next 10 years. Not good. That's true. It's not okay. It's not worth it for your body, especially if you're dealing with thyroid issues. You don't want to give your body more reasons to disrupt your endocrine system. You will pay for it. Uh, And um, so moving on from there, simplicity is good with personal care routine. You can also check out um, Beauty Counter is the most traditional full line of non non-toxic. I say that in quotes because they do a really good job, but they don't go far enough, but at least they've eliminated the heavy metals out of there. And a lot of the really nasty stuff that's still legal to put in products. Crunchy is even cleaner, but it's a smaller product line and they're growing fast. So their stuff is sometimes out of stock. Uh, Using the Think Dirty app, you know, to evaluate something. So that's the personal care side. Now let's talk water because most of us are being careless with the water we're putting in our bodies. And if the solution to pollution is dilution and your thyroid really wants a clean, happy environment without toxins, you got to be flowing with a lot of hydration every day. And it's got to actually be clean water. And the municipal um, community that you're living in, I guarantee you, does not have the filtration required to get out antibiotic waste, prescription waste, um, microplastics, herbicides like glyphosate. It's a freaking toxic soup. And you may also be dealing with radiation, VOCs, all that. Just yeah. know that it's it's a very incomplete picture. And they're not able to test for some of the most damaging things to your thyroid. Yeah. 
I agree. I mean, I, I smell chlorine in the water sometimes. So if I, if I go to visit my parents, I can smell the chlorine. Here, where I live, I received a nice little letter from the water authority. Now, we have a reverse osmosis whole house mm-hmm. system, but it came with a house. I know it's an expensive investment to do it, but I, it's, it's definitely worth it. We got the letter of saying, oops, we're sorry. There seems to have been a higher level of, it was like aluminum or some A word, just, just it was a chemical. Like, yeah. but, but we got it now. It's all taken care of because it's below this limit. And I'm like, so we were overexposed and now you've dwindled it down, but it's still there. And you're just painting it real nice and happy. Like, we gotcha. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Please don't sue us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. they are not mm-hmm. equipped to deal with this. Over 12,000 um, districts in the U.S. actually have the same high levels of lead as Flint, Michigan, or higher. You know, so it's, and like fluoride, one of the reasons why it's acceptable to have as many parts per million as it does in the U.S. is because it's naturally occurring in some areas, and those areas didn't want to pay <laughs> to filter it out of the water. And also it's a industrial byproduct of mining aluminum and creating um, different herbicides and pesticides and fertilizers. Mm-hmm. So you got thyroid dysfunction, cancer, you got a whole host of things going on. You do. Uh, now, yeah. since we're talking chemicals being filtered through the liver, since the majority of T4 gets converted into T3 in the liver, yeah. what about ferritin being stored in the liver? Yeah, it's, it's a problem because, you know, as you know, if you get, so your body doesn't have the ability to excrete excess iron. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to pull it out, right? So that's it, it. Your liver can become very toxic just from that, and it can absolutely um, disrupt and really um, limit your body's ability to do the hormone conversions it needs to in your liver, and also to process the hormones that have been used and need to be exited out the body as waste. We often forget about that. Like, well, where do the hormones go when we're done with them? Great question. They have to go out through the liver. <laughs> Right. So we could get a low reading on yes. ferritin, right? But it's actually because it's overstored in the liver or would that come up as a high reading? It could come up as a high reading, but also um, excess um, ferritin could get stored in any major organ in the body. Okay. So it's often in the liver, but it's not limited to that. Okay. Um, so it can get, depending on how the body is handling other issues later on, it can migrate to the liver from other um, vital organs. If your body's okay. like, okay, this one's overloaded. You know, we, we put this for whatever reason, you know, it ended up in the pancreas or in the kidneys. And now we got to, you know, shut down other things because of it. I mean, it, get, it gets really complex really quickly. So it's one of the reasons why you want to have like a basic binder on board in your protocol when you're trying to do any type of healing. Most binders, um, so binders are a class of supplements for people who aren't used to that word that um, molecularly or um, they chemically or physically bond to um, the toxin, whether it's a heavy metal or other kind of toxin, and hold on to it. Um, binders are basically like the bouncers in the club. Well, they'll take that one asshole that's ruining the party for everybody else and safely, you know, take it by the arm and escort it all the way out the door and down the street. Mm-hmm. That's what binders do for you. But most of them um, can only work in the gut. So you'll take it orally and it'll line the gut lining and whatever toxins manage to get into the gut, it'll bind up and then go out through your bowels. But there are actually other binders on the market now that you can use to um, mop up various types of toxins that go systemic 
to reduce this load. So like when you're talking about um, ferritin, we're also, we also even haven't made the distinction yet that um, there are many forms of that that are actually toxic in and of themselves and not even useful. So not just about the level that's in your body, but also the format that it's in. So it may not even be usable by the body. Okay. So, so that really what kind of binders you. do you like? I really like the binders from Cellcor. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite um, for many reasons. They're not the only ones that we use. But if you were going to use um, one for just this particular issue, for example, I would use HMET, which stands for heavy metals and environmental toxins. So what that's going to do is bind to the excess ferritin. And especially if it's in a format that your body doesn't can't use it in because your body will tell it It'll be like, yeah, I got to get this out of here. I can't use it. It's not bioavailable. It's just toxic to me. There's no trade-off for me here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the HMET will bind to that and safely excrete it out. And we'll also go after things like the glyphosate that is lining your gut. Yeah. Bonus. Yeah. Yay. It's also got um, components in that when it when you pull out a toxin and bind to it, right at that cell, it has components that will repair the damage that that toxin made to that cell right then and there, which is really useful, right? Yeah, definitely. So wait, the people that are using like chlorella and charcoal, does that allow for recirculation of the toxins that it binds to? That's a really good question. I do not like activated charcoal because um, it's very indiscriminate and will pull out annual thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We are really mineral depleted in this day and age, which is part of why we're so open to um, the toxic burden that we have, because your body would be better able to excrete heavy metals if it wasn't so desperate for any kind of metal to make, you know, that nerve synapse fire. Like you've got to have something in there to make the, you know, electrical charge happen. So if it doesn't have, you know, healthy iron, bioavailable iron, for example, it will use a molecule of mercury, like, okay, I guess this is all I've got. You know, this has to fire. I've got to, I've got to have this in place here. So it's easier for your body to let go of those toxins if you have healthy minerals on board that are actually bioavailable. The, the, the charcoal and chlorella, I'm with you. Right, right, right. So, so you're already mineral depleted and your charcoal will grab it. Any old thing, even the yeah. good minerals, absolutely hate that. Also, it won't travel beyond the gut. So it's really good for acute poisoning. Like, oops, I swallowed something from under the sink. I am in yep. big, big trouble. Great down a bunch of that. <laughs> yeah. Also, I like activated charcoal added a little in a teaspoon to every um, laundry load because it will pull toxins off that have accumulated on your linens, especially if you have to use a um, laundry facility where um, other people are not on board with this. So somebody used Tide right before your laundry where you're using your cute little hippie dippy detergent. Mm-hmm. Right. So this will protect you from that and from those noxious fumes that are so toxic to your thyroid from those dryer sheets. So activated charcoal is great for that. (laughs) I love that idea though. That's great. Yeah, it's such a good hack. So there's no excuse to be tolerating toxins in your laundry. Um, Even if, you know, you're using a laundromat or shared facilities with other people that are using Tide and stuff that's hard on your thyroid, use activated charcoal for darker loads and um, something like zeolite or even bentonite. So a lighter clay for your lighter loads. Yep. That's beautiful. That is that is a golden nugget right there. I mean, right? you've given us you've given us such great information and so many actionable, simple, inexpensive, some free items that people can do right now to make a huge 
difference in their body. Now, of course, they can go deeper. Like we said, we haven't even touched, we haven't touched mold. We haven't touched EMFs. We're going to bring you back for that. But tell people, please, if they want to dive deeper, if they want to learn more, if they want to work with you, what what do you guys offer in your in your business? What, what do you have for the people? Thanks. Um, so you can find us at detoxrejuvenation.com. And you can also listen to our podcast, Detox to Thrive. Uh, you can find that on Apple or anywhere, you know, podcasts are. Um, in fact, there's a great episode on fluoride that for all you thyroid thyroid babies out there, go ahead and listen to that because it'll really educate you on how to protect yourself from that. Yeah, so we do work one-on-one with some people. You have to apply to work with us, but you can find that under um, individual work on our site at detoxrejuvenation.com. And we also do... We have a free challenge coming up that's really fun. Um, every time we do it, five days to food sensitivity freedom. So if you do have digestive issues, you're welcome to join in along that because you will learn so much about how to think through food so you're not poking the bruise while you heal, mm-hmm. right? And then we do fun group courses like Rapid Gut Reset and Rapid Liver Reset um, that can really help alleviate your body burden. So while you're working with Dr. Amy, hopefully you're that lucky or with somebody supporting your thyroid while you heal, you're doing the digestive work as well so that it's really effective and your um, results last. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. thank you so much. I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for your knowledge. I mean, you are a true expert in this area. You've taken it to a whole nother level. You've given people amazing pieces of advice that they can do right now. So like I said, I think, you know, EMFs, mold, that's a whole nother topic. We will dive deep into those. I promise we teased you guys a little bit in the beginning. We didn't get to it because we really want to focus on that and have that be its own. Liver deserves its own podcast. Mold deserves its own podcast. EMFs deserve its own podcast. So we will be having Sinclair back. So thank you so much for your time. You're so I really welcome. appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And um, I just want to recap. I know we bounced around a lot today, but what we were really looking at um, for you lovely ladies listening in is um, covering the reasons why you your body may not be performing the way you want it to. Because underneath everything, your body is absolutely brilliant. It has never forgotten how to heal itself. There's just been some disrupting factors along the way that are keeping it from doing that. So if you can systematically, gently layer in things that support your body while it heals, um, you can really feel good and at home in your body again. It is never too late to feel better. So I just want to leave you with that. That's a great message to end on. Thank you so much. And we will put all of the links in the show notes so people can reach out to you, contact you, take your courses, apply to work with you one-on-one. So thank you once again, and we will be having you back very soon. Have a great day.